welcome to Growth on the Rocks with your host, Desiree Simone, the podcast where we talk about life, love, and living. So grab yourself your favorite cocktail and let's get started. This episode of Growth on the Rocks, we'll talk in detail about sexual assault, rape, and rape trauma. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a, another episode of Growth in the Rocks. I am Desiree Simone. When I tell you I'm so tickled to have this badass on this podcast, y'all, I cannot tell you how excited. Blanton's Bay is here. Ladies, this is where I need, like, I need an audio track. It's like the clap track on here. That's my girl, Audrey. Go ahead and tell us a little bit. Oh, you know what? Before you we go should just automatically, like. <laughs> I know. So everybody, we have to go ahead. We're going to be cheers in here. Mm. Mm. First of all, your decanter is stunning. But tell me about the decanter and tell me what you're Thank drinking. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What so, are you drinking? Um, this is actually an Aegis um, Phoenix um, decanter set. Mm-hmm. And like, look at even just the topper itself. Oh my god! Let's put that on a on a nice little ring there, and that's what yeah that's what I want. <laughs> it's my next yeah, upgrade. It has a uh, it has a set of eight glasses with it. I don't nice. really use the glasses. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, it was with a friend, and um, they don't have their business anymore. But mm-hmm. I got it maybe like six years ago when I first got on Instagram nice, um, nice. he sent it to me and it was it was pretty I love it like I can't mm-hmm. um it just hits all the right spots it's beautiful what am I drinking I'm yes. drinking um Blanton's Silver today of course you are you can't be Blanton's Bay you can't even have that as your Instagram <laughs> tag and not be drinking it I am, I'm a lover of all things Jameson, as you know, and I'm drinking, I'm drinking Powers, actually. We we got a bottle of Powers, so yeah, I thought we'd change it up a little bit. So tell us a little bit about you, um, and then I'll jump in about how it is that our worlds got intersected, but tell the audience a little bit about you, um, and a little bit about the name Blanton's Bay, and also more importantly, what is the Amazonian Warrior Foundation, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today? All right. So that's three questions. Yeah. Um, all right. So boom, I'm, boom, boom. Yeah, I'm Audrey McHugh. I am Brownwater Navy. So you're like, what's Brownwater Navy? It means that I was this maritime prepositioning forces. We waited for terrorist events to happen and then we forward deployed. Um, I was the operator that drove the boats for special operations and different um, things. I was one of two females in an all-male combat unit. And so I always say I just need maybe like five guys to fuck it all up, right? Like I just need, <laughs> I just need me and a couple of uh, a couple that's guys it. in my boat. And that's that's all I needed to that's all. To to change the world together. And then um, I also, uh, we had the 22nd Mew that was attached to us with our amphibious unit. So I did a lot of different things in the military and um, I was raped multiple times in the military along with having a traumatic brain injury. I experienced over 10 years of domestic violence while I was on active duty and um, in the reserves. And kind of nobody did anything about it. I reported these things. I'm able to talk about it. The rapes I went through are pretty horrific. Um, You know, people tried to kill me in the military to keep me quiet. And then I served in the military as a bisexual woman serving under don't ask, don't tell. And I was sexually harassed um, and assaulted because I was a bisexual woman. And it was kind of crazy, but I still love my military I believe the leadership that I learned uh, in the military allows me to execute my mission at Amazonian Warrior Foundation every day. So Amazonian Warrior Foundation was started because you have a 50-50 chance of killing yourself after you've been raped in the military. Then after that incident, if you survive that, you have an 80% chance of getting into a domestic violence relationship. I did all those things. Then you're 90% likely to kill yourself once you become homeless. So at one point of your life, 
you're going to be fleeing a relationship that is trying to harm or kill you in some way. And so there's no programming out here to take care of that. Um, we actually have the highest rate of veteran suicide on active duty and um, when you have received your, your little DD-214. And we have the lowest funding. And what's crazy to me is there's all these things for combat veterans, and I help them too when they're homeless as well. But there's nothing really for people who've been raped in the military or sexually harassed. And every year, it's 30,000 service members across all branches. And of that, 24,000 will be exposed to domestic violence and 12,000 will likely kill themselves within the first year. And so this is an astronomically huge issue that is being ignored. And what the Navy really, really taught me was that when I see a problem, I go tackle it. Like I don't run from these things. The Navy cannot run from it. The military cannot run from it. It's literally killing our ranks from within people that are so qualified or have special operation jobs or linguists are being raped. And then they're the ones that are either killing themselves or getting out of the military and the perpetrators are staying in. So this is a horrible issue that we have to tackle together. We can't run from it. It literally means we have to fix our military. That's all it means. And I'm really confident in the ability to do that and to, um, to fix those things. And so I will never be able to truly eliminate rape. Right. Um, my degree is in security risk analysis. I understand that. But I sure as fuck can put in a lot of mitigation strategies to reduce these numbers, which ultimately reduces the rates of suicide and keeps, you know, keeps people that are very qualified in the military, which boosts retention rates. So um, that's kind of my path with that. Um, we do a lot of different things at Amazonian Warrior Foundation. So one is food disparity. People can donate um, fresh fruits and vegetables. And usually we make zucchini bread with chocolate chips. And we feed that to unhoused veterans. And these are the veterans that are not coming back. I can sit there and talk with them. And they now are at the point for their PTSD where it's safer to sleep outside to them. And um, I don't want them to ever be forgotten since I was homeless at one time because of domestic violence, because of being raped in the military. I know what it's like to not have food for days or to not have anyone that actually gives a fuck about you. And so since I know that they only have a 10% chance of living, I still go out there, make sure that they have toiletries so people can donate toiletries and um, fresh fruits and vegetables and we can feed 100 veterans in Philly in one day just with, with that kind of outreach. So then we also do cognitive-based therapy stuck points for board sport therapy. So we take a stuck point like shame or guilt. We put it on a rock. I let the person paint that out, talk about what's going on for 20 minutes, and then I put them on a board. And this is so important because we disassociate from our pain. But when you're on a board sport, you have to stay in present moment and you have to be situationally aware where a lot of veterans become hypervigilant, which is just the opposite of that situational awareness. And that's a reaction of PTSD. So it's a way to start breaking down the issues that are associated with your PTSD and combating them and giving you a new toolbox to help heal from. And once we get through all that, I put you on a snowboard or one wheel, of course, or surfing or a paddle board, some kind of board. I'm going to find something <laughs> for you, right? This is true. It's true. It's like, you know, we're used to having that rifle, right? This is my rifle. There's no other like it. Well, now I'm giving you a board sport for that to be your rifle, to take care of, to have a connection. Right. Then we do release of burden hikes. So we go through all the stuck points you have. And we paint that rock and we put it in our rucksack. And we also carry with us our other burdens that we're not ready to work through. So you could feel the weight 
the physical weight that you're carrying around with you. And then you're able to release that rock at the top of the mountain or at the beach. And you have a reference point now. Like you're able to say, I released shame at Great Lakes Naval Station. Location. Right. I, I can say that. So when I'm not in present moment and that, you know, trauma cycle is is coming through, I'm, I'm able to fucking fix myself real quick. And I'm saying, nah, we're not doing that. We're not doing mm-hmm. suicidal ideation right now because I released that right there. Right. So it's a good way for other veterans to be able to have like something that they touched to release it. And then they feel when they're hiking back down that release of burden, because we're talking about all the facts now, like, that's not your fault that happened to you, right? You've been holding on to it. But for what you're really responsible for, it's maybe 1% if that but you can feel the lightness Mm -hmm. of your rucksack then. And um, I also help homeless veterans. So I provide them um, temporary pop up campers, because when you're 100% service connected at the VA, they turn you away. And like I said before, you are 90% likely to kill yourself when you become homeless. So we're talking about the highest tier of veterans that literally need help the most are being told that they're over income because politicians have made this asinine rule where the HUD voucher is like $200 out of reach for a person that needs it. And so I'm advocating and legislating with different senators to have a bill brought and introduced to have those changes made because there's a $100 million discretionary fund. And what we found out at certain VAs, mostly at very much blue VAs, right? I'm talking about (laughs) blue state VAs Mm -hmm. um, or VAs where they had suicides happen in a parking lot, right? They are likely to give you that discretionary fund, which means it's like up to the social worker. But when it was me with my two children and I'm fleeing domestic violence and I'm hundred percent service connected, they turned me away. They They had me, they had me sleeping at a waterfall with two children. And so other social workers who heard my story, who saw the application in different states said we would have approved it. And what I started uncovering was, is that <laughs> certain politicians have told them that, no, you can only approve so many vouchers instead of what the actual need for the veterans are. And that's a lot in red states. And so we're making choices that kill veterans. Mm-hmm. And we're not letting the VA really do their job. So if we're not going to actually have the discretionary fund that's actually used, then removing these income um, requirements allows all veterans to access services. And we can't say that we're trying to have the VA save veteran lives if we don't let them do their job. Because the first thing politicians do is (laughs) they bring the VA that they've been behind closed doors dictating these horrible policies to and then don't actually let them do their job and they just want them there to be able to say you're a horrible va you guys didn't do this right and and usually the va representative is like what are you talking about (laughs) like bro if you wouldn't put all this fucking red tape over here maybe i could do my job right right And so there are some really good VAs out there. And there's also some really shitty ones like they that don't care about veterans. Mm -hmm. They simply just don't care. And so I had two of those social workers who just didn't care about my life. And as a homeless veteran coordinator, you're very much aware that you know that veterans are likely 90% to kill themselves. And so when you turn a veteran away, you are giving them a death sentence. Mm So there needs to be a huge accountability. Um, I'm also a representative. I'm a legislative uh, liaison for retributate our uh, veterans. So that is a bill that we are trying to get passed. It's four, five, six, nine. It was introduced and passed in the House, of course, with markups and then dropped into the Senate for it to be killed last year. And so we just reintroduced it. You might have seen some of the pictures. Yeah. And so basically, what is that about, right? It means that veterans who were here legally had a pathway for citizenship, and they decided 
to join the military instead. So their pathway was completely changed. And so we had low recruitment time, you know, during the time of war. And so we said to these people who were here legally from all over the places in the world, this is not a Mexican issue while they try to make it that. That's what some of these Republicans have tried to do. Um, and so they got to their their duty station. They were supposed to have their American citizenship given to them, and it didn't happen. They were sent to combat multiple times and then told, well, we, we're, we're going to have your citizenship, but, you know, we'll have it in like six months or something. And then they were like got out of the military. And just like every single veteran who has experienced PTSD from combat, these guys have experienced that as well. And so under the Trump administration, this was taken away from the Department of Homeland Security and given to ICE. And they have deported over 90,000 veterans without a military review. And so we know that of that, 20% of those veterans are Purple Heart recipients, Silver wow. Star, Bronze Stars. And so we're talking about the baddest motherfuckers mm -hmm. that fought for this country and said, I wasn't born here, but this is my country. Right. This is my country and fought and bled for this country and now have PTSD are being kicked out of this country. And you're like, oh, well, they committed a crime. Yes, they did. But understand because of 1996, what Bill Clinton passed was made a minor offense. And we're talking about people are being kicked out for minor drug uh, traffic, which by the way, guys, when you come back from war, it's really easy to get addicted to drugs to numb your pain, mm -hmm. right? This is an effect of, of PTSD or they get a traffic violation. So they get a speeding ticket and it's now made into a felony. I get a speeding ticket. I get to go to veterans court because I was born here. They get deported. Wow. And then they have no access to the, the entitlements that they earn. So how do you file a VA claim if you're not in the country? Mm -hmm. How do you go get mental health treatment if you're not in the country? Mm -hmm. And they've put you in a country where you haven't been there since you're like four years old and you have no loyalty to them. And then they treat you like shit there because they're like, you got kicked out from the U.S. You're, you must be a horrible person. And it's not. It's simply like. I got caught up in drugs because I couldn't fucking deal with the fact that half my fucking platoon died and I was right. in command of that. Right. So we're kicking out people without having any review that they're supposed to have. And the only way they get back to this country is in a body bag. So this is how they get to return. They get to come back to the U S and have full military honors to in a body here. Gosh. And one and of the things that I've always said about you, and obviously people can gather this just from the first few minutes, is your empathetic passion for this is just astounding. Especially like you talked about, you are a rape victim and survivor. And, you know, we've known each other for years and I see your posts and it's so real and it's so raw but you still have so much passion and care for other people that you're like, this is a hill that I'm a fight, die, defend and stand on for so, so long until, until it's hurt. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that I admire about you is I cannot say I've met a more dedicated, intelligent and passionate person about their cause than you. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Secondly, you know, it took me over 20 years to say the word rape, right? Wow. So it took a, they took a lot of years from me. Mm -hmm. And um, military sexual trauma, the words that they created to make it sound better, it happens to one in three. So this isn't a gender issue. And when I see so many people dying and I put a Glock 17 in my mouth and pulled the trigger and I didn't die, right? So now I have to say, well, what can I do with that? Like even death fears me as it should, right? And so <laughs> my God can move mountains. So mm -hmm. this too is gonna move some mountains because I want people whether they're out here advocating 
or not to just be able to say what happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, well, you had all this trauma and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, actually, guys, I had crimes that were committed against me. And so now what I've been able to do as I've healed is say, I have memories of crimes that were committed against me and nobody did anything. Mm-hmm. And um, when I see my fellow veterans dying out here, it's just so easy for me to say, you know what? I'm at the point where I go to war. Like I am healed up enough to where I go and start destroying these people that are making these policies that kill my brothers and sisters. And so it's not even about a passion, right? I took an oath to this country. And by doing so, I took an oath to this constitution to defend it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And more importantly, I took an oath to my brothers and sisters that I would Mm -hmm. always be there for them. So now that I've had the ability to heal I have to do it for, for my brothers and sisters because I've been in the darkness where they've been at and I've almost died. I should be dead. And so if I can get that message to them that there is a different path and it might not look like advocacy work, right? It mm-hmm. might not look like your own nonprofit, but it could look like you get a new job. It could look right. like you use woodworking, right? I do woodworking too, or painting or me helping you to find what your outlet is so that you have a way to go forward. And that's just what it is. Like, I think the third time I was raped in the military, it was just every time it happened to me, like it happened over 10 times in a one year period, right? So my first one, I get sexually assaulted right out of boot camp when I'm at a school. And then I'm like, okay, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave him for sexually assaulting me. Um, they took away his rank for six months and I oh, appealed just that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, and it was right. It was right Jesus. after like it was right after this training that we had about um, red light, green light behavior. Like, so I was outraged and I literally said, no, I want an admiral's mask. Like, that's not good enough. I want him kicked and removed from the military. Like this is bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. And they swept it under the rug. And in that incident, like this man came up behind me. I was in a P way, which is a hallway. I was sweeping like, and the women were down at the bottom of the barracks and the men had the two other floors up there. So he purposely came to me and I had rejected him. Like there was this little club on base and me, I went in, first of all, I was supposed to be an officer and I left, right? Like I was going to do my um, ROTC program and we were in a time of war and I had family members already deployed in Iraq. And so I was like, you know what? They can't, not this Yonkers, New Yorker, like these motherfuckers can't be killing all these motherfucking terrorists without Mm -hmm. me. Right. And I was like, I don't have time for college anymore. Right. Like I just don't, we're in a wartime. Like Mm -hmm. I need to go right fucking now. And so I went in as an E3 because I already knew I was going into military since second grade. So I had this all planned out. And so I knew that if I studied super hard, I could pick up E4 Mm -hmm. immediately at my school. Um, So my whole, you know, thing was like, I don't have, I can go out here and dance, but I don't have time to be hooking up with dudes or any of this stuff or, or drinking or hanging out with you motherfuckers. Like I'm gonna do that shit by myself. Like I'm trying to get my, trying to get my money and I'm trying to get my rank and I'm trying to be a good leader. Um, and he hated that. <laughs> like He hated that. So he started stalking me. And then he came up behind me, um, like grabbed me, ripped my shirt off, um, grabbed my breast. I punched him in the face um, and he tried to rape me that day. Right. And so um, like I survived that. And then I was I was sh- so shocked. And I went to my next duty station in Virginia. And I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm gonna put this shit behind me. 
<laughs> like I want this Admiral's mask. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to put this behind me. And then I went to my next duty station and I find out like I had broken my foot and I told them it was broken. And they were like, I got no medical care. They said I didn't need an x-ray. And so my a couple foot- of ibuprofen and you'll be fine. That's what they gave me so much so that I can no longer take ibuprofen because it gave me ulcers, right? So so I have lifelong damage from that. And so um, what was crazy then is just like I started to realize that the culture at that time in the Navy was not friendly to women. Mm. And um, I was going to, uh, I was at a squadron and um, it was just like, I couldn't, I was in such a a culture shock because (laughs) I have so many people in my family that are military Mm -hmm. and like, I've been waiting since a little girl here to, to join in this family that you thought was safe and and drive boats. And like, um, it was just like a rude awakening of realizing how sexist people were. Like they were racist because I was Jewish Mm -hmm. and, um, I wasn't ready to, face anti-semitism in the military I was really really surprised I I just wasn't expecting it then I'm a bisexual woman and you know I have to hide that because I'm I'm under don't ask don't tell but some people found out (laughs) because I went to a party and I really after that I realized never party at your command um Right. And so I'm at this party. They've gotten this girl super drunk. And um, I was sort of friends with her, but she was in a different debt. So I was like, hey, I think you should come with me. Like, I think we should just leave. Mm-hmm. I'm super uncomfortable here. And um, they sexually assaulted her and literally videographed it. Right. And then spread it all around. And I had left, um, spread it all around the command. And do you know what happened? they charged her with underage drinking and the guys got to be kidding me i'm not and the guys that sexually assaulted her literally sexually assaulted her on video didn't get in trouble nothing oh god that's sick so now i'm like at this command and i'm like oh my god like Mm -hmm. what what the fuck is going on here Mm -hmm. then i have an officer she's a she's a pilot She's the highest ranking officer at this, at this moment. Um, She's trying to look out for her, like for, (laughs) for all of us really, Mm -hmm. but they grounded her because she spoke up about how they were treating women in the command. And they like, as a pilot, that is such a punishment, but she was better than all of them. Basically. She did it anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She stood up for us and she could see that I was being harassed and um, there was this one officer there. He was married and he found out through the friend that like that I was bisexual and he called me into his office at his desk and was like, he was like, what are you doing Friday? And I was like, going to synagogue, right? <laughs> like I'm going to synagogue mm-hmm. on base. I used to have this Holocaust survivor that I would pick up and bring her on base to go to synagogue and then I would take her home. And so I was like, that's what I'm doing. And uh, he was like, well, no, you're you're going to be um, at this restaurant and you're going to meet my wife. And I was like, well, I don't think that's appropriate, sir. Um, <laughs> I have no interest in, in meeting your wife. Um, right. And we're not really supposed to have any interaction outside of um, outside of this chain of command. And he was like, oh, I know you're bisexual and you're going to sleep with me and my wife. Oh, okay. So I I hope horrible things happen to him. Jesus. And so um, he found out that I was selected to be in a helo. One of these other officers, he was like, hey, um, you have good language skills. You're very intelligent. You would be super good at a a top secret level um, doing crypto loads and doing language for us on these helo missions. Right. And he was like, you already swim really well because I was signed up to be an explosive ordnance diver. And since I got hurt, I wasn't allowed to finish my, I wasn't allowed to finish it because if I, if I quit during the training, I would never be allowed to try again. 
-hmm. at all. That's just how it goes. So I could wait two years and then do it. And so he was like trying, he knew I was super depressed because all I wanted to do was dive and blow shit up. Yeah. And <laughs> it's true. And, so he, <laughs> and uh, he was like, you could do this stuff in a helo and, and you would probably really like it. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, bro. I was like, fucking sign me up for that. Like, yes. So this officer that was hired that decided that I was going to sleep with him and his wife took my helo project away. Oh my God. He took my orders away because I wouldn't sleep with him. Right. Yeah. So then um, I'm like, I can't fucking believe this. I'm super depressed. And I'm like, all right, well, at least I can get my small craft pin and uh, I, you know, I can start driving these boats and that'll make me feel better. I'll be out in the water and we would have to go pick up like um, dummy missiles if they went too far. Mm for for um exercises and stuff and I was like okay this is gonna get better so then I'm at my um my barracks room I'm still on crutches I get told that my injury is non-curable um everything I was a a athlete before I joined the military and so I'm just like what What do you do what the fuck is going on here like um And so I have no idea what I'm going to do. I was so depressed. Like, I was just like, what does that mean? Right? Like, I said I was going to do 20 years in the military. Like, what the fuck? You know, like, what do you do now? (laughs) Like, you guys were supposed to give me an x-ray. Now you're telling me I have nerve damage, that there's no cure for the Like, why why wouldn't you guys give me medical care? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what the fuck is going on? So, um. I'm starting to just be like so depressed and devastated and um, I'm on crutches and this guy keeps stalking me. And so I think it's the guy who sexually assaulted me in Great Lakes, but I'm like, I'm in Norfolk now. Like, you know, it's probably not him. It's Mm -hmm. probably, it probably looks like him. Like you're going to be okay. And they would stand outside of this one area and they would be in the parking lot and they, I would see him every time I would, I would start leaving because mm-hmm. I didn't have a car at that time. I had to like right, be right. on my crutches <laughs> and get to the station. Is this before Uber kids? Right. Uber was not allowed on base. Oh, they had taxis, but I'm yeah. just, right. And so one day I, um, this happens for like a month where I see him there constantly every day. I start changing my, my um, time I'm leaving because I'm just like, this shit is like, like, what the fuck? And when I went to go try to go up to him and say, like, why the fuck are you stop? He ran away. Oh, so wow. I was like, I was like, okay, this is not a good thing. And um, I opened the door because I think it's my roommate. And what we did is we had separate rooms. What we had a shared um, kitchen area and one one bathroom. And um, he comes in. He punches me in the face. I'm on crutches. He takes my crutches. He throws me on the floor. He puts it over my chest, holds me down while he's starting to choke me, rips my clothes off. I'm fighting as as hard as I can back mm-hmm. here. Um, and like, I'm like tearing at him and, but he's holding me down so effectively that I can't move. Even when I'm trying to roll my shoulder and stuff like that, he's just slamming me back down and slamming my head into the into the um into the floor and um he like puts his hand over my face like this so I can't I can't breathe I can't I'm screaming but nobody can hear me um and he takes the crotch and inserts it in my vagina for almost 30 minutes like and I'm talking about rams it in there um so there's blood gushing out and so then I'm fighting him after that. He flips me over, puts the other crutch over on the back of my neck. Um, I can barely breathe at this time. And then sodomizes me for almost an hour as well. Oh, my God. Um, and then uh, he attempts to try to, to penetrate me with his own, his own dick at right. this point. Right. And there's so much blood, he gets disgusted. And um, so he tries to do that for a couple of uh, pumps. I'm able to get him off at this point. 
and um this this is where he just decides whether he's going to kill me or not like so he um covers my my um face with his hand i can't breathe at this point and i can feel like bruising starting to happen here because he's pressing down so far and i keep taking as many breaths as i can in between like and i um telling him to stop as much as i can and he looks down at me and he says well i'm done now and then walks away and closes fucking kidding me no and um, i laid there and i remember my my foot is broken I've just been sodomized and um, raped with my own crutch. And I like, I can't move. Like I just, it's so bad. Like I can see the bruising on my legs from the inside of my thighs. It's blue and red already. Right. Like, and I like, it took me almost an hour and a half to crawl on my side from the kitchen area with a stream of blood to get into the bathroom to shower myself for I don't even know how many hours. Um, and I just cried because all I could see was just blood, mm-hmm. blood. And it was everywhere. Um, and I just, you know, there's this Pearl Jam song called Alive. Mm-hmm. And in, in these yeah. lyrics, it says you're still alive. Do I deserve to be? And if so, who answers? Mm -hmm. And that was the first song I listened to after being raped. I just like, I was like, who answers, right? Like who, who answers for this at this point? Because I don't want to be alive because Mm -hmm. all I, all that keeps happening here in the military is I keep getting hurt. Hurt. But what's insane is that you are alive so that you can now in 2023 be doing the things that you're doing now. Right. Like I've, I've, I've heard parts of your story. Like I said, you and I go back for several years and I feel like every single time we talk, I'm like, I learned so much more about you. And I'm always like, she really is like the strongest person I know. And like hearing the story, I'm like, no, she really is like the strongest person I know. Like you I, I hope you understand and, and you can see it from that perspective is that that young girl, because that's that's really what she was, was young girl then was thinking that and hearing that song so that in 2023, this phenomenal badass could be where she's at. And yeah. I was like, this is a change that I'm going to make. And here's what I'm going to do. So what I, what I kind of want to be able to do is talk a little bit about, because like I said, we've known each other for several years. Yes, we we met through Instagram through our <laughs> our love of whiskey, the um, OG IG, <laughs> the O the OG IG, and it was it was funny because you know I mentioned this when I came on your podcast and I've talked about it so many times is yeah. I always saw you as this like inspirational whiskey blogger vlogger influencer on yeah. Instagram because one you were one of the few women that I ever saw. Um, two, you're bold as fuck. And I love that. And I absolutely loved it. You're a sports girl, just like me. And I was like, oh my God, she's a total badass. And so we kept in touch. We would, you know, DM, we talk about things that were coming out. We always had all these similar interests. And over time you told me your story and I'm like, forget the whiskey part. Like (laughs) in the world, like you were just you do so much. And again, your passion for what you do for veterans is only, I think, rivaled by your passion for whiskey. Yes. And I just tell you all, so I had to go to DC earlier this year to attend my grandmother's funeral at Arlington. And Audrey and I finally got a chance to meet after all these years, (laughs) knowing each other on Instagram. And she's like, girl, I know exactly where we're going to take you. We ended up going to this great bar. And I remember just walking up, seeing this like Shangri-La of whiskeys across this back bar here. And she's like, this is nothing. Like the place I wanted to take you to is closed, but like this will do. And I remember she, I think we were talking about Irish whiskeys because I, that's kind of like 
my little love language right now with my my fiance. And you were like, no guy, this is, this is not working. And he blessed this bartender's heart, attempted to school Andre on some things. And I remember I just kind of like pushed my chair back and was like, I'm gonna sit back and watch this unfold. Cause this young man is in for it. So let's talk a little bit about, obviously we, we know you're Blanton's Bay, but tell us because a lot of what you do whiskey wise also kind of partners what you do with your veterans work. So let's talk a little bit about who exactly is Blanton's Bay. Right. So Blanton's Bay is a (laughs) T-Rex that drinks whiskey. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. So, um, I love whiskey, right? Like, and I just want to kind of remind people, like a lot of them don't know, but like, I'm also, you know, I'm Jewish, I'm Irish, I'm Scottish, I'm Welsh. I have a little first nation in me. Right. So I have a lot of stuff, a little East Asian. Um, but my family, like my family's bloodline, um, are distillers. And so, they made whiskey in Scotland. It makes so much sense. <laughs> they made whiskey in Ireland. And I'm part of the original 13. So my family um, established New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, Eastern Tennessee, Kentucky. Mm, all right? the places and, that we love. <laughs> and um, so like my family were actually um, distillers here when they came. And they actually made moonshine in in Kentucky and um, Eastern Tennessee. Um, so there's like the Hatfield Hat and McCoys. I'm related to them. Um, wow. So there's this stuff about the Mulligans. Um, my other ancestors came on the Mayflower. So when I say that we've kind of been established here for a little bit. We've kind of been established here. Right. And so I, I, I might have a McHugh last name, which is very, very good um, for Ireland. The bar that was the McHugh bar shut down because of COVID which sucks. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot about whiskey. Mm-hmm. I have family That's members true. where um, like my, I would say my cousin-in-law is a yingling. Right. So, um, and some others, right. So we're Mm -hmm. kind of married into it. Some of us don't talk all the time, but my family is in whiskey Mm -hmm. and I was taught how to make moonshine in the Appalachians. And, um, it was just like a, Hey, do you want to learn how to do this? And I was like, fuck yeah. And that was before I started, (laughs) (laughs) that was before I started researching all this stuff and finding out like, Oh my gosh, like, these Baldwin guys, they're my family. And Hey, you're, you guys do whiskey too. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. And I'm like, well, we're connected on this. And they're like, yeah, the Hatfield and McCoy's like, and this is how we're cousins. And I was just like, Oh, wow. So like, we are really, really cousins. So cool. And, and coming from a girl who's originally from Georgia, just like you said, learning how to make moonshine. That's kind of in our DNA. <laughs> right. I love it. Um, so a lot of guys are, you know, they'll be under the perception that like, I'm just a pretty oh face gosh. and I have, or that women in general have no knowledge about whiskey whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And like, I actually go to the farms where whiskey's made. Bourbon itself was made by the U S military um, we carried it around with us for the Revolutionary War because we were like, we're not going to drink that shit anymore. We're drinking bourbon. We're making our own stuff. This is how it is. So like just the mash bills, like I can taste the difference when there's limestone water versus mm-hmm. not. I can taste the difference where where it's grown. Like I love wheat or barley or oats so much so that I want to go to where the farmer is making it. I right. love, I love whiskey in that sense. Like, and I think that's what I appreciate about you because right. you know, I, I think I used to say until I met you and people like you and more specifically women like you, yeah. Oh, I love whiskey. I have a general better than most knowledge, 
Mm-hmm. You have more of historical appreciation. It's like you said, and, and you mentioned this when I saw you in DC, you're like, no, I want to go to where the farm is. Like, I want to smell the wheat, see it from start to finish, and then yeah. be able to go from smelling the actual kernels to taking that first sip and be right. able to feel that process. And through people, that don't, people don't even understand, like when you take a corn, whether it's a white or yellow, you can change the spice, mm-hmm. the spice of it just by changing the corn. And so when you realize like there's this endless possibility of mm-hmm. how you can make whiskey or how it can taste, it's just like it opens everything up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I could be this like really professional person and give you all the tasting notes and say, mm-hmm. oh, I hear vanilla and citrus and this and I that shit's boring to me. I and just I think it's to- one of the reasons why I love you because I was like, I can read that off the back of the label. Right. And it's just, it's boring to me, right? To do a little circle of card. And I understand why they want people to do it. They feel like it helps bring them in. It makes whiskey mm-hmm. sophisticated. It makes bourbon sophisticated. What's sophisticated to me is knowing what farm your shit came from, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing the fact that before we went to Kentucky for, for bourbon making, Pennsylvania had that shit on lock. And so, yes. And understanding that this the is lime- my surprise face you guys didn't see. I was like, <laughs> okay. And understanding that the lime water that is used in Pennsylvania cannot be replicated. And they try it in Kentucky. And so when you get to have like a local grower like stole. And Wolf is one of those places in Lilith's PA where they've had the farm there for over a hundred years. You really get to taste this. Like it's such a different experience to drink locally. And of course I love Blanton's, right? So that means I love the Buffalo Trace line, right? Um, Blanton's was my first introduction, like true introduction into whiskey. Like Mm -hmm. when I had Blanton's, I was like, this is fucking delicious. This is it. This is what I'm falling in love with. What if this is, if this is Blanton straight from the barrel, right? I was like, oh, I need this gold, right? Mm-hmm. The gold and the silver are kind of like my my go-tos. Like, they're my mm-hmm. standard pours. I understand they're expensive for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through a lot. Did y'all hear I got raped? So um, <laughs> You're like, mama, mama deserves this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to drink the best. Like, I don't yes. know what people at this point. I don't have a man. This is so and, true. This is, and, and when we were in D.C. together... And I tried to talk this heifer out of it. She wanted to be, I, it was a Mictors. I think it was what it was. Yeah. And I remember the bartender said, okay, well, I'm going to tell you it is this much for the poor. And I looked at her and I was like, Audrey, don't you dare buy me this. And she was like, I deserve this. <laughs> you deserve this. Did she get it? Yes. Was it delicious? Fuck yeah, it was. And I remember taking a photo going, Oh my God, this, this was amazing, but yeah, you're right. You deserve it. Right. And so that's the whole thing about whiskey is I love to bourbon hunt. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but people are like, what's your favorite? And I'm like the next one because I've had so mm-hmm. many, right. I've had mm-hmm. so many, I've had all the Tully line. I've had like, so I've conquered them all. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily my friends have super good collections. So I mm-hmm. was able to, to rob their scotches pretty well. Right. Um, and I've had some pretty amazing whiskey given to me as an influencer, and I super appreciate that. And people have donated things to my nonprofit so I can mm-hmm. use them. For, and we call them whiskey for good. So I have yeah. um, tasting events where you can buy a ticket and you'll have a local two, usually two local pours, which are usually mm-hmm. veteran owned mm-hmm. and then your big brand name um, whiskey. And so I get to use whiskey for my nonprofit and that's pretty amazing to drink for good. And I just want people to say that are like, oh, well, you're a veteran organization and people, veterans are alcoholics and this and that. Yeah, guess what? They're also fat, right? Like they also overeat their mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. And so some veterans have turned to alcohol to numb their pain rather than fix what's wrong with them. So right. again, that's not alcohol's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the person not, taking care of the issues that they have inside themselves. So whiskey is not bad for me, right? It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And I've had some of the founding fathers um, whiskey 
Uh, there is a secret stash for, for certain things. And so, you know, I'm like just national treasuring. Yeah, yeah she is. <laughs> I mean, people are like, wait for that movie for you. Right. Like I, I could start it. Um, so, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to go up to different places and hunt bourbon down and find something I haven't had before. And then kind of like, I, you know, I do drink the best. I drink top shelf, but there are also places so like McKenna 10, um, Old Forester, Prohibition, uh, Pre-Prohibition um, series that are like super cheap bottles that are very good. So there are certain ones that I could say, hey, if you're at this, this, you know, this price point. point you know, this is right. where you should go. And it's actually really, really good. And I don't ever drink shit liquor. Like it could be something that's $55 and I could be like, this is really good. Right. But absolutely, I don't ever sugarcoat shit. Right. So yeah. if you've given me a bottle and it's disgusting. I'm just not going to drink it. And like, and you're going to tell people. <laughs> Right. And I don't care what brand you're from. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend I like something when I don't. Right. Like, I'm just, I'm not doing that. Like, right. and that would be like, not true to myself, but whiskey, cigars, right? Like, um, women have a place in this, you know, there's Absolutely. a master distiller for Rowan Company, uh, Rowan Co. <laughs> That's an Irish whiskey brand. There's so many women that have made whiskey for centuries. And um, I think that's really important that we take our place at the table and demand respect. And so there are these influencers or people that think that they know more than me and they don't. And, and I, I let love them, to watch that from a distance. <laughs> I I let them assume that I'm just a pretty face and I have no knowledge because I guess what I learned in the military was perception is everything. Yes. And if you assume that I'm an idiot with no brain, I can use that to my tactical advantage. Absolutely. And I'm going to let you walk into it as long as I want. And maybe I'll correct you mm -hmm. if I feel like it. Right. 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 If I feel like it depends <laughs> on what mood I'm in, right? It like, depends on how you catch me that day. <laughs> it does. I might just like, I might wait for the second time we meet if we have <laughs> and then destroy you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I let them be themselves because I'm never like, you know, I'm Philadelphia Eagles. So we've talked about this before. Thank you for your Ooh. bulldogs. They yes. Yes, girl. <laughs> yes. Oh, my Penn State, but your your Bulldogs are helping my Girl, life. I told you this year, I'm a bandwagon Eagles fan. Hey. My boys from Georgia up there. They oh, are freezing. They behind off, but they are doing it. I'm so proud of my babies. They are doing it. Go Eagles, <laughs> 8 one E-A-G-L-E-S. Thank y'all. Um, but, you know, like, sometimes I just let them be. But it, yeah. it, is, it is a delicious way to live, right? It like, is. To say... I'm gonna find the next pour that was even better than that one. You definitely, if you have not thought about merch on a shirt for that, <laughs> I should. You need to put that on there because I was like, what's the you best whiskey? The next one, like that needs to be a fundraiser mm -hmm. shirt. So we're actually unfortunately getting to the end of the episode, but before we talk about where they can find you, like your website, right. your IG, all the other stuff. Um, I want to ask you, this is becoming like my new favorite thing to ask guests now. Okay. Um, the person dead or alive okay. that you would like to have a drink with and what are you drinking? Hmm. That's really hard. I'm right. gonna go with John Lewis, John Lewis. Um, I just did the March on Washington a couple of months ago, John Lewis is one of my um, super rule models. Like, um, it says never, right, never ever be afraid to make noise, get in good trouble, necessary trouble. Mm -hmm. And so, as I go into meetings that I have with senators, as I go into meetings when I have representatives, um, and I'm advocating for veterans on a legislative um agenda I always think of John Lewis right like before I leave this house and get on my one wheel and get on there and do the 10 minutes of ride into the Capitol which is dope that I get to one wheel inside the Senate building and I was in that video and was like how is she not stopped right now like this is so yeah, cool 
I'm a disabled veteran and that is my accessibility device. And so I'm allowed special privilege. Nice. That is really dope. Nice. Right. But John Lewis is one of my heroes. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just remembering his words as I walk in there, knowing that he walked these same halls, Mm -hmm. knowing that he fought so hard for the voting acts of 1965 and um, Dr. King and many Jews, we all did these stand-ins together Mm -hmm. and knowing that like we can have good trouble. Like it's only going to take a couple of us to get this world right again it only takes a couple of us and never be afraid to make noise right and so um of course I think me and John would have some um it's a blatance of something (laughs) we're gonna have is a blatance of some form we're gonna have some of my blatants uh from 1992 there's a The original, um, I have some original bottles. So I would say I would, I would break out the very best, very oh, best with him. Wow. Um, and yeah, for sure. Um, I would love to drink with him. And I just feel like, yeah, I feel like when I do this work that he's with me, right? Mm-hmm. Truly with me. Um, there was this point where I would literally go on this road that was Lewis all the time. Mm-hmm. and um I would think of him and mm-hmm. um I have his the picture of the bridge that was yeah. marched over um in my room for my desk so I can look at it every day and it's yeah. just you know it's just a reminder of they are literally trying to tear apart the work that was passed in 1965 and Jim Crow us and have us divide against each other and I can't do that and so long as I'm acting in good trouble the rewards will always be uh, <laughs> rewarding. So, oh my gosh, let's quickly cheers to 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 the memory of John Lewis on that one. Cheers to the memory. Thanking up to John there. Mm-hmm. Now to close it out, where can people find your foundation? Um, where can people find your podcast? Um, sure. And where can people find you? Okay, so www.amazonianwarriorfoundation.org is the where you can go to the foundation. Um, there's a PayPal link, so you can donate there. My IG, there's an Amazonian Warrior Foundation IG because she made me create one. Um, sure did. Sure but, did. <laughs> but Blanton's Bay, B-L-A-T-O-N-S-B-A-E, because that's my bay. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I need. Is That's the only one. That's the only motherfucker I need in my life. Um, that's the only motherfucker I'm married to in for sure life. For sure life. <laughs> for sure, for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so you can check me on IG there. Uh, Navy Audrey or Navy Odd is my TikTok. And I'm on threads. I fucking love the shit out of threads. Right? Uh, I do. I love threads so much. It's wonderful. Um, and so what was the other one that you needed? That was, I was going to say, like, where can they find? Oh, your podcast. Oh, my podcast. Yes. So it's called Gunslingers Tavern. Um, mm-hmm. Our next one, because I'm with a military um, network, radio network. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually going to start doing it on Spotify. So nice. We, Congratulations. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm done, finally. Um, so we could, you'll find it on my Facebook page. It streams there. Um, and it's every Wednesday at 2000. So we usually bring another veteran. I interview them. They talk about what they're doing in life, maybe their military service. It could be military sexual trauma. It could be a combat veteran, but like their business or their nonprofit. Um, And then I have current events like once a month. I talk about things like, hey, I'm Jewish and they're trying to eradicate my race. And so we're going to go march on Washington. Or I talk about which bills that we're working on trying to be passed to kind of bring advocacy or other issues that are in the military that are going around or racial injustice. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a really big thing for me. Um, When you have racial injustice, you don't have justice. And, you know, there is no peace in that way. And so those are, those where you can catch me. Um, And I really appreciate coming on today. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) We've, I've been wanting to do this episode with you for the longest. Like I said, I got a chance to be on, one of your yeah. other podcasts because literally Audrey uh doesn't stop doing stuff. I no, I'm I constantly don't. like, where were you? And she was like, oh, I was in Canada. And I'm like, <laughs> just in Miami. And you were like, but that was three days ago. 
That was so, three days ago. <laughs> you're like, no, seriously, it really was. No, but I, um, glad I got a chance to, to get you on the podcast. Um, yeah. Everybody, the website that she mentioned for her foundation, as well as her IG, will be linked on, on the show notes of this particular episode. I encourage you, please follow please donate. Um, She does post often, not only fundraiser events, but a lot of the events that she does and a lot of veteran awareness. And if you are a veteran and you're listening to this, or you know, someone who's a veteran and they could benefit from any form of the programs that she's partnering with or working with, I implore you, please reach out to her and ask, ask for help in some way or another. So Audrey, thank you so much for coming to growth on the rocks. Um, we're definitely going to do this again because I think the next time we are going to talk just about guys and maybe have like a little catch up. Yo, we should <laughs> definitely talk about dating profiles of men. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the amount of fun we had looking at profiles when I saw you, I was just like, yeah, we, we might need another episode. You need a whole show on that. <laughs> I cannot wait to dish on some of that. We're, like, we're going to definitely do woo! it so. But thank you so much for coming on this episode on Growth on the Rocks. As always, you can find me on all areas of social media, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, threads at Simone, And of course, my website, www.desiree-simone.com. Thank you, Audrey, for coming on Growth on the Rocks. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Cheers.